How exciting! This is the first time I've ever been um, down at Mairns. This is the first time, so I'm so excited to be with you. How lovely it is. And what an amazing day. I feel like I've got like the best day to get the view of Mairns, you know, driving down, the sun shining. Is it? Always, yeah. <laughs> um, what an introduction from Kirsty. What a lovely place to be, to come and be part of their site. Um, Ali and Kirsty, I know you know, are two of the finest people around. Love them so much. A little bit biased about them, but there we go. Um, so it's so lovely to just come and to be part of your church family this morning and to just see what God is doing. Just so you know, like as a as a, a church, we every Thursday we share like encouraging things that are happening across the life of the site, and it's just lovely to hear the things that God's doing amongst your church family. So I'm just really encouraged that I can come and be with you and put faces to names and all of that kind of thing. It's really exciting. Um, so this morning, I'm going to be carrying on in the, if at any point I become even more West Coast than I am already, you can just like give me a signal and I'll rein it back in. Um, but this morning, I'm going to be carrying on in the series that we've been doing, um, Weak But Strong. So we've been going through the letter um, to the Corinthians, Second Corinthians as a church family. And, and that's what, what I'm picking up on today. And so we're picking up on 2 Corinthians 8, 16 through to 9, verse 5. Um, and so what we're looking at this morning is that part of the letter to the Corinthians. And we're looking at this plan for integrity. Um, so recently I have uh, watched or been reading about a thing called Fire Festival. I wonder if anyone else in the room is aware of that. Some people have. Sounds good. Not so good. Um, well, you'll find out about it. So basically, a fire festival was something that was supposed to happen in April 2017. And it was launched as this kind of luxury music um, festival. You would have quality entertainment. You would have quality food. You would have quality accommodation. Um, it was like a once-in-a-lifetime experience. And it was going to take place on an island in the Bahamas. So on my next slide, you should be able to see, yep. So this is kind of the experience that was marketed. I mean, who doesn't love a yacht? Anybody? <laughs> and these beautiful blue MCs. And this was what people thought they were going to. Basically, what happened behind the scenes was that the two um, men who'd organized and marketed and planned this festival were wildly out of their depth. And they didn't have the finance and they didn't have the ability to make this festival happen. And as this became clearer and clearer and clearer that it was impossible to actually run this event, you would think that the most logical thing to do would be to say, everyone, I'm so sorry, we've overstretched ourselves, we are not going to be able to make this happen, we're going to have to postpone it. But actually what happened was, um, one of the men behind the scenes, instead of taking ownership of the fact that it wasn't happening, he continued to market um, more and more experiences attached to the festival so people could have like breakfast on a yacht or brunch with a five-star chef or whatever it might have been and they continued to cover up for the mistake and actually what happened at the end was thousands of people were defrauded um, of money that they paid for tickets to go and actually perhaps more importantly is that people's livelihoods were damaged at the end of it. And you might be thinking, why is she starting with that? Um, because what people actually ended up with, if you go, was this. So rather than their luxury experience, they had kind of emergency tents that are provided to people um, following hurricane experiences. So rather than having like a luxury yacht or a luxury, I can't remember what those things are called, like yurt. <laughs> but yeah, um, 
this is what they were faced with, and they were soaking wet mattresses and all of this kind of stuff. So the complete opposite of what they'd expected. Um, why am I sharing that story? And it's a really extreme example of what happens when we conduct ourselves and we do our lives without any level of integrity. And it's a very extreme example, but I'm sure that for many of us, I know I for myself can say that this is true, that for many of us, we will have had times in our lives where we felt like we've been living a double life, where we felt like we've been having to cover up and hide some of the things that we've been doing. And living our lives without integrity can be a really damaging thing. Um, but this morning, we're going to look at what it is in this passage for us and what the call is in this passage for us to be living with integrity. And it's in this passage that Paul paints a brilliant picture of how we can be living with integrity, with how we can be living lives where what you see is what you get, that there are people in our lives who know what's really going on behind the scenes, where we don't feel the need to cover up, to pretend, to hide um, the things that are actually going on in our lives. So we're going to read from 2 Corinthians 8. So if you've got a Bible, you can look it up. It will also appear on the screen. If you need a Bible, how do we distribute Bibles here at Merrill? Great. Okay, does anyone need a Bible? If you need a Bible here this morning, you can just take that Bible, and that is our gift to you. If you don't have one at home, please take that home and have it um, for your house. So we're going to read from 2 Corinthians 8. That's kind of at the, the latter end of the Bible. So if you flick through, there's also a contents page, and that will tell you where to go. But it is going to come up on the screen, so don't feel like you need to navigate it all. Okay. Thanks be to God, who put into the heart of Titus the same concern I have for you. For Titus not only welcomes our appeal, but he is coming to you with much enthusiasm and on his own initiative. And we are sending along with him the brother who is praised by all the churches for his service to the gospel. What is more, he was chosen by the churches to accompany us as we carry the offering which we administer in order to honour the Lord himself and to show our eagerness to help. These are the kind of key verses, I think, for us this morning in these next two. We want to avoid any criticism of the way we administer this liberal gift, for we are taking pains to do what is right, not only in the eyes of the Lord, but also in the eyes of man. In addition, we are sending with them our brother who has often proved to us in many ways that he is zealous, and now even more so because of his great confidence in you. As for Titus, he is my partner and fellow worker among you. As for our brothers, they are representatives of the church and an honour to Christ. Therefore, show these men the proof of your love and the reason for our pride in you, so that the churches can see it. There is no need for me to write to you about this service to the Lord's people, for I know your eagerness to help, and I have been boasting about it to the Macedonians, telling them that since last year you and Achaia were ready to give. And your enthusiasm has stirred most of them to action. But I am sending the brothers in order that our boasting about you in this matter should not prove hollow, but that you may be ready, as I said you would be. But if any Macedonians come with me and find you unprepared, we not to say anything about you. Maybe you won't be, but definitely I will be. Um, would be ashamed of having been so confident. So I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to visit you in advance and finish the arrangements for the generous gift you had promised. Then it will be ready as a generous gift and not as one grudgingly given. God, we just thank you for your word. We thank you that it has the power to 
um, bring new life into every area of our lives. God, we thank you that it is true and that it changes us. And we pray that it would do that this morning. I've got my timer here, Kirsty, but I forgot to start it, so I'm really sorry. <laughs> okay, so this part of the letter is kind of building on what Paul has said previously. And you might have had someone else come and share another point about the bit that's just after or the bit that's just before, um, but we're kind of just uh, jumping around in, in and around this passage. But the bit just before this is where Paul is speaking um, to the Corinthians about giving generously, and he's encouraging them to give generously, generously based on what the Macedonians have done. Um, this is an offering that they knew that they were going to be asked to give. So it says in verse 9, you know, a year ago you guys have been ready to give this offering. A year ago you were prepared to bring it. Um, so what Paul's doing here is he's not cold calling them. You know, he's not just suddenly saying, hey guys, here's a whole bunch of money that I want you to pass on. They knew about it, so they've been preparing for it, and he's been preparing them for it. And what he's trying to do is he's trying to make sure that the offering that they're gathering, it was going to be a substantial offering that was going to be given to um, Christians in Jerusalem who were experiencing um, extreme persecution and poverty. Um, so this money that they were raising was going to go to them to provide food, to provide care um, for their, their fellow brothers and sisters in Jerusalem. And basically what Paul is saying, and he's saying, this is a significant gift. This is an amazing gift. And what we want to do is we want to make sure that there is no opportunity for anybody to look at what we're doing and say, hey, what's going on there? Do you know, basically what Paul is saying is he, he doesn't want anyone to look at how this offering is handled and to say, Paul, you said that this offering was going to be used for the church in Jerusalem, but you're rocking some pretty sweet sandals, so what's that all about? He doesn't want there to be any room or any opportunity for that because he doesn't want the message of Jesus to be undermined in any way. And so what he's putting into place here is a plan for integrity, a plan to do this offering really, really well. Um, and although this passage, it focuses specifically on finances and specifically the area of church finances, there are principles that we can take from Paul's plan that we can apply to our lives, whether that be our relationships, whether that be um, how, we, how we relate in church, whether that be um, our finances, our habits, our personal beliefs, whatever it might be. There are principles in Paul's plan here that we can take away um, for this morning. So what are the principles? The first one is that integrity is... Integrity is, drum roll, passion, thank you Matt, thank you, um, passion with action, passion with action. So I'm struck time and time again throughout this whole passage how you see passion combined with action every time. In verse 24 Paul says to the Corinthians where he says, show these men the proof of your love and the reason for our pride in you. And what he's saying is, guys, we are blown away by your desire to reach the church in Jerusalem. We are blown away that you want to meet them, that you want to serve them, that you want to share from your excess and give it to them. We're blown away by your heart and your desire to do that. And now's your moment to do it. So he's saying passion and action. Those two things need to come together. In verse 16, he's, he commends Titus where he says, Titus has got a heart for you and off his own back, he's coming to meet with you off his own back, passion and action. 
you know, Paul's saying here, it's not enough for the passion to be there and for no action to follow it up. He goes on to say at the start of chapter 9 that our boasting about you in this matter should not be hollow. Passion without action is empty. It's empty. It doesn't mean anything. The church in Corinth, they have to show themselves um, to be willing to respond, to back up what they've been saying, to back up what they've been declaring. In the book of James, James writes this. This is another book in the Bible that appears a little bit later after the letter of Corinthians. And he sums it up really well when he says this. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such a faith save them? Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good does, is it? You know, it just isn't enough for us to be saying the right things, but we want to live in the way where our lives are declaring something um, that matches up with what our, our words are actually saying. So our lives and our words, our lives and our passions, our actions and our passions have to be together, working together. Um, if you imagine it almost like this, so an Olympian it would be an athlete who you couldn't stand and say, I have a passion to be an Olympian. You know, that would be ridiculous if it wasn't then followed up with actions that back that up. You know, somebody wants to achieve and they want to excel, then there has to be steps that go along with that. I was also thinking about it in the sense of like my husband Scott and I, before we were married, we um, we lived in separate houses. We um, we had different bank accounts. We had um, rules that we stuck to. You know, people we would make sure we left each other's houses at ten o'clock at night. All these kind of things. But then when we got married, it would be so strange if we continued to live in a completely different way. Like it would be so strange if I we didn't we weren't in the same place. It'd be so strange if all of our lives remained separate after we'd made that declaration of our passion. I'm gonna feel so awkward now when I say passion without action, but never mind. Um so <laughs> I'm so sorry. So integrity is passion with action. It would be so strange to continue to live in a different way. If our hearts desire and we were declaring our love for one another, we wouldn't be going in separate places. And so my question for us this morning is where do we see in our lives today our passion and our actions just slightly out of step? Where are they just slightly out of step? And integrity is bringing those two things back together where our passion and our actions are aligned. You know, one foot in front of the other, they're walking together in step. And actually, for some of us this morning, we might feel disconnected from our passion. We might feel like, oh, I don't know, I don't, I, don't, I don't feel it anywhere. I don't know where the passion's gone. And to know what, I just really want to encourage you this morning. God is here to meet with you and to speak to you and to reignite passion um, where maybe you feel like it's disappeared or it's died. God is here to meet with you this morning. And just as another aside, guys, like when I was driving down here on the way, I really felt like God was talking about breaking down walls and, and bringing us into a place of freedom where there's no walls around us. And it's been said time and time again this morning. And so I just really want to encourage you at this point in the service, let's lean into that. 
let's lean into the fact that God wants to break down walls for us this morning because actually he only ever wants to do it because he loves us, because he cares for us so much. So let's see um, what else he wants to do with us today. So integrity is passion with action, but integrity is also protected by the right people. And then we see that it's no accident that Paul sends these three men to go to Corinth and to take this offering. It's not just happened to be these guys. Um, Titus, who's talked about at the start of this passage with Ruth, he appears time and time again in Paul's other letters. He goes on lots of other mission trips and ministry trips. Um, and Paul has confidence in him because Titus has shown that he um, is totally immovable. He's not going to wobble. Um, or start doubting um, what Jesus has done for him. He's shown himself to be somebody who is anchored in what Jesus has done for him. These other two brothers that are mentioned, we don't know who they are. There's lots of debate about who they could be, but nobody really knows. There's lots of speculation. What we do know about them, though, is in 8.23, where it says they are an honor to Christ. And what a description. <laughs> an honor to Christ, these two men. Can you imagine, you know, what does that look like? What it means for them and to be an honor to Christ is that they live in a way that it reflects Jesus so well to the world around them, to the churches around them. And that in their lives, people can see the reality of what Jesus has done. That's what these guys, that's who these guys are. And they've been handpicked to take the offering because Paul knows if I send these men, I am confident that we will be doing what is right in the eyes of the Lord and what is right in the eyes of men. And so for us, there's a first kind of lesson in integrity here that we can only do integrity well when we do it together. We need other people to do integrity well. I have had um, years in my life where I have made deliberate choices to um, not live in integrity. And I know for me that when I have chosen to not walk in integrity, I have lived with loneliness and I have lived with lies in my life. And over the last decade, I suppose you could say, I've tried to make deliberate choices to live with integrity. And what that means for me and what that means for us as Christians is that we live um, with others who can help us to walk in that. And so I have a bunch of people in my life who have journeyed with me through a whole bunch of different things. You know, they've sat with me when I've cried about a boy who's broken my heart, or they have been the people who listen to me when I'm saying all my fears about how I'm feeling as a wife or as a mom or as a leader. These are the people who listen to me, the people who I can be real with in those moments. Um, they're the people who uh, ask me how I'm doing with my need to please people around me. These are the people who ask me these questions. And I can't, I can't live a life of integrity without these people in my life asking me and journeying beside me. And Paul's saying that to the Corinthians. Guys, you can't, you can't carry this offering well unless you do it with others around you. So we know that we need other people to do integrity well. But we need the right people. Um, so my daughter, Evelyn, is... Well, she's going to be four in December, but she let's go with three and a half, okay? Because I'm in denial. So <laughs> she's three and a half. And basically, she is really, really into imaginative play. And when I say into imaginative play, I mean into it. I mean, I have spent hours 
hours of my life being a blue parrot called um, Blue, <laughs> there you go, from a movie called Rio. I have spent hours of my life being a deep sea diving dog from Octonauts. Any other fellow Octonauts people in the room? Great, I am not alone. I have spent hours being a pup from Paw Patrol. I'm not allowed to be Sky because she has to be Sky every single time. And in all of these moments, um, my daughter is 100% in the play with you, but she is also taking on a kind of creative director role. So I might kind of like run off in one direction and then I just hear her say, mummy, mummy, no. And in my head I can hear, cut! Stop the cameras, stop, everybody take five, you know, and she'll come over to me and she'll say, now mummy, mummy, I'm Elsa, okay, and I'm going to run this way, and then you're Anna, and you have to run after me, okay, you can't go that way, okay mummy, okay, yes Evelyn, I understand, I have my instructions of where I'm supposed to be going, and then I have to follow, you know, exactly as my director has told me that the route that we're on in our imaginative play. And you might be thinking, oh my God, why is she even um, sharing that story? What? It would be completely, it's fine for Evelyn to direct our action when we're playing. But it would be absolutely ridiculous if she was to direct our actions when we're crossing a busy road, wouldn't it? would be ridiculous and maybe for many of us here we might have people who we can play really well with we can do the fun stuff of life with but we haven't got anyone who can help us navigate when the pace of life changes when the pace of life is hard when there are different things coming towards us you know, the church in Corinth needed these brothers to help them fulfill their pledge, to help the church in Jerusalem, to help them take their passion um, and put it into action. We too, we need the right people around us to help us to walk in integrity, to help us translate that passion into action. When I was a student, um, I, I think it was in my third year, maybe my second year, I maxed out my overdraft. I was in a lot of debt and I was re really struggling actually. I didn't have a job at that point, so I needed to get a job and I needed to work out how I was going to pay off my overdraft and then save up and not use money so badly. In that moment, it, it would have been ridiculous for me to have sought help from my fellow students around me because, to be perfectly honest, a whole bunch of them were in exactly the same position. I needed people who were managing their finances well and who got a good sense of kind of how to how to use money and um, for God. And actually, I, I was blessed to have people that would come into my life and do that. But that's my question for us this morning, is who's speaking into our life? Who are the people around us who are helping, to walk, helping us to walk well in the eyes of the Lord and in the eyes of the people around us? Who are the people who are going to help us to grow in our love of him, our love of one another? our love of the people around us. Who are those people? Integrity is protected with the right people around us. And I think there's an opportunity for us here this morning. You might have folk, sorry, folk, <laughs> folk um, that you're doing lots of, you know, you're just doing the day-to-day -day life with. You play with the kids or you'll have a meal together. And it might just be that those people are the people you need to turn to this morning and say, hey, do you know, do you want to, 
Do you want to do this integrity thing well together? Let's start asking each other some of the hard questions. Let's start sharing a little bit more of what's going on behind the scenes. There's opportunity to do that this morning. So integrity is passion with action. Integrity is protected with the, by the right people. And then finally, integrity is powerful. Um, the summer has come to an end. I know. It's really sad. We're all sad about it. We're all sad about the late night. Am I the only one that's sad about it? Anyone else? Oh, yes. Thank you, Nikki. Um, so, I mean, the summer's come to an end. But I personally feel like we've had a pretty good summer. I mean, there's been lots of days of sunshine. I've even bought a paddling pool this summer and had it out in the garden, which is amazing. And we've had it filled lots of times and the kids have been jumping around in it. And so I've loved the sun. The thing that I have not loved about this summer is the humidity. Is anyone there with me? Yes. Okay. So maybe the ladies will empathize with this. <laughs> the ladies might empathize with this a little bit more. Um, but humidity is a nightmare because it does absolutely nothing for your hair. Okay? Humidity will find any little wave or curl that you have in your hair. It doesn't matter how many times you straighten your hair. It's going to get curly. My son Caleb, he just he's 10 months and he has, oh, I don't know, he's just like, his hair is unbelievable. He just grows so much hair. And just before we got his hair cut, because of the humidity, he literally was having like little ringlets around the top of his ears. There was just so much um, of that humidity and then grabbing the curls that was in his hair. What is my point? <laughs> what am I talking about? Um, the impact of the sun. In the same way that the sun impacts our climate around us, our own personal lives impact the world around us. The sun, as the sun brings warmth and comfort to us, so too can integrity have an impact on our lives and the lives of the people around us. And we see that integrity has um, a massive impact within this short section. You know, firstly, we see it in the way that Paul talks about Titus that he sends um, to, and the brothers that he sends. He's praising their enthusiasm, their zeal, their servant hearts. He's boasting about them um, and he's boasting about his confidence in them to the Macedonians. Their integrity allows Paul and the churches that they're sending to develop confidence in who they are. And then we see it again in chapter 9 where Paul says, for I know your eagerness to help, and I have been boasting about it to the Macedonians, telling them that since last year, you and Achaia were ready to give, and your enthusiasm has stirred most of them to action. You know, the Macedonians have confidence in Paul, and Paul is expressing his confidence in the Corinthians. And what does it do? That, that integrity that Paul has inspires confidence. And then what does it do? His confidence in talking about the Corinthians it encourages them to give, that most of them have started to give. Most of them have been encouraged to action. And then the final bit that I absolutely love is in verse 24, where Paul is encouraging them to walk fully in integrity by giving their gift. And he says this, so that the churches will see it. So that the churches will see it. And what he's saying is, is that by doing, by by People are going to see what God is doing in you. They will see what God is doing in you, and it will have an impact. The churches will see it. You know, integrity is powerful. It is so powerful, and it goes beyond them, their own selves. It goes beyond just who they are. 
God sees and God notices integrity. You might be in a workplace where integrity is not appreciated. And I just feel like there's an encouragement for you. God sees and God notices. I was reminded of Luke 16.10 and Jesus says this. And it's an amazing verse. It's tiny. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with very much. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with very much. Integrity is powerful because it releases the more of God in our lives. As as we grow in integrity, God is able to give us more. He is able to give us more, and that has an impact on us, but it has an impact on our community. I know that you as a church family are desperate to see this area transformed by the love of God, by the power of the gospel. As we grow in integrity, we are releasing the more of God in our lives. We're letting him shape our words, our actions, our habits, our self-talk, the way that we speak to ourselves. And all of that combined is shaping the world around us. Um, Last summer, I was super pregnant with Caleb. Lauren can emphasize this right now. I was super pregnant with Caleb and um, it was a really hot evening and it was 8 p.m. and I was in my bed because that's what you do. You go to bed at 8 o'clock when you're super pregnant and all of a sudden I started hearing this cheating and I was like, oh, it's football. <laughs> I hate football, okay? My husband is football crazy. And I'm just like, it is the most boring thing in the world. But I could just hear this cheering, and I knew that it was like, I have a fellow person here. I knew that it was like the fans chanting. And I, my first thought was, oh, Adam, this is our neighbor next to me. I was like, Adam was listening to that radio. That radio is so loud. I just want to go to sleep. Then as I was just lying there, I was listening more and more, and I suddenly realized it wasn't a radio. It wasn't right next door. It was actually the cheering from Pataudry which is um, my husband and I, we live in Tilledrone. So Pataudry is miles, miles away from our house. And yet over, over the miles, because I could hear the sound of this chanting, the, sh- the volume, the sheer volume of it reaching across miles, reaching across miles. You know, for many of us, we might think that what we do, who we are, what we say, that it doesn't matter. But that's not true. In the same way that that sound carried across the miles, who we are, what we do, matters. It matters. It matters to the Lord. It matters to him. And as we grow in integrity, the power of how we live, the more of him that we can release, um, it grows. How we live matters. Integrity matters in the same way that the sound of photography carried all those miles our two our little lives can have a massive impact as we walk faithfully with God we see that in this passage we're still reading about these guys thousands of years later because the churches could see because people could see the integrity people could see um, how they could be trusted and so for us I think there's a choice this morning You know, I talked at the start about how destructive living without integrity can be, but how much more powerful it can be when we walk in integrity. And so there's a choice for us this morning. We can choose to operate without integrity, 
But we can choose to say yes to walking with his legacy. And that just opens up a whole other level of potential with God in our lives. So let's be people who plan for integrity. Let's be people where our passions match up with our actions, where we say yes to community, where we say yes to being vulnerable with one another, partnering with the right people. And let's be people who have lives that are powerful, that echo out across this whole region. Wouldn't that be amazing? Shall we stand?